The Holy Gospel for this day comes from Matthew chapter 21. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Zechariah, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Not far from here, uh, in Kenmore, is a house with a large front yard, and in this front yard live two donkeys. I know this because I drive past this house regularly on a set of errands, and every time, Even though I know perfectly well that they live there, the donkeys never fail to take me by surprise. They're just so unexpected. I mean, horses I've seen, alpacas even, chickens, of course dogs and cats, maybe even goats. But although there may be some domestic animals on that list more unusual than others, they're still in the range of what you might expect to see in someone's yard. But these two remain the only donkeys I've ever seen in the suburbs. I've never had the time or the courage, but I've wondered what it would be like to stop at this house someday, knock on the door, and just ask, what is up with the donkeys? Do they have names? How old are they? And just mostly, why donkeys of all the choices? I suppose it would be even more strange if I went up to the donkeys, untied them, and started leading them away, and then shouted to the homeowners who would inevitably come outside objecting to this, if I just yelled, don't worry, the Lord needs them. (laughs) I'm going to do that, though. I should do it today. Today is the day for that. Donkeys don't show up in the Bible all that often, but today is definitely one of their starring appearances. There are a number of strange things about the stories that we are telling today, particularly the one we just heard. A lot of conflicts, even within the story. Jesus is called a king, but his triumphant royal entry into the city is done with very humble symbols. Branches, cloaks, a donkey, and a pretty motley crowd. Rather than a military parade or horses, stallions, 
Jesus comes in riding on a donkey. And as if a donkey wasn't humble enough, there's also a colt, a baby donkey in the story. Instead of weapons or flags, there's singing and shouting, led by children, Hosanna to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. As a triumphant royal procession, it's less than professional. But it's also not an accident. Jesus has set everything up to go exactly like this. He asks for the donkey and the colt. He understands how that will connect to these ancient prophecies. The one we heard from Zechariah in the fellowship hall. Our prayers for whomever needs that set of sirens today. But uh, He understands how the image of a donkey will connect to these ancient prophecies about God's ruler coming in humility and meekness and peace. Jesus fully intends to turn everybody's expectations upside down. And if we have wondered how far he will go to do that, we have only to read the next story, right where we stopped reading our gospel for today. The next thing that happens is Jesus marches into the temple and chases out anybody who is using that space for profit, particularly off the backs of those who have come looking for forgiveness and reconciliation. He flips over the tables of the money changers He calls out what happens, the damage we do when we use the name of God to exclude or harm or make some richer and more powerful at the expense of others. It's that event, that big mess in the temple, that seems to finally convince the religious authorities that Jesus needs to go. He's too dangerous. Look, they say, if people really start following what this guy is saying, then the whole system is going to blow apart. And all of it starts with donkeys, branches, and cloaks, which are not typical symbols of revolution. If you were to make a list of things that would be likely to bring about change in the world, those three would probably not even crack the top 100. They're ordinary, fragile, disposable, Modest. What chance do they stand against a thousand bigger, more powerful, more spectacular things? It's somewhat difficult to know because there aren't consistent policies requiring an accurate count, but a variety of sources agree that as of 2020, the estimated total number of firearms in civilian possession in the United States is 433.9 million. As of 2020, that same year, the population of the United States was 329 million. Meaning that we could give every single human being in the United States a gun and still have 100 million weapons left over. That's a lot. The ACLU is currently tracking 435 bills introduced across the country just this year in this legislative session, which would restrict the rights and safety of the LGBTQ community, either targeting individual expression or the safety of particularly transgender youth and adults and access to health care. Now, not all of these will become bills, and they're not evenly spaced throughout the country. Some states have many bills under discussion, some have none. But to find even one of them 
requires time and resources and energy to figure out how to navigate the political system and make your voice heard is exhausting. And that would just be for one bill. Imagine 435 times. From July 2021 until June of 2022, 1,648 books were banned from school districts across the United States. That represents about 5,000 schools and 4 million students. The most common reasons for banning books were because they either directly addressed LGBTQ themes or because they talked about race or racism in American history. 73% of the groups that are working to ban books have formed since the year 2021, even though polls consistently show that Americans of every political persuasion oppose banning books. Are you depressed yet? We could go on. <laughs> we all know there are many statistics out there about the gaps in our world, about how many people don't have health care or clean drinking water, about how cuts in food assistance programs are affecting people every day, partly why we are raising um, items for our pantry here, about how much money we're spending on affordable housing, but we can't seem to figure out how to solve this problem, about the rising number of young Americans, especially young American men, struggling with addiction and substance abuse. Pick your topic. The numbers are huge. They're staggering. Our minds have difficulty getting, getting around even one of these issues, and yet all of them exist at the same time. This barrage I have just unleashed on you, it's too much. When you add to that the people in the, in the world recovering from natural disasters, from floods and earthquakes and tornadoes, and continuing war in Ukraine and, and in other places, refugees desperate all over the globe, you put it together and it's not only possible but likely that we just kind of shut down. The problems are so big. Who are we in the face of that? What do we have to offer? Well, <clears throat> today we have a donkey and some branches and a few cloaks. Ordinary fragile, disposable, modest. No weapons or armies, no marching band, no flag. A ruler walking knowingly toward his own execution and a group of slightly confused followers, all of whom will flee by the end. A city in turmoil and the people in power already determined to shut this down. In the face of the world's hurt, and fear and anger and loss, that didn't seem like nearly enough either. One of my favorites, poet, poet, one of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver, wrote a short piece about Palm Sunday. It's called The Poet Thinks About the Donkey. I want to read it for you. On the outskirts of Jerusalem, the donkey waited, not especially brave or filled with understanding, he stood and waited. How horses turned out into the meadow leap with delight, how doves released from their cages clatter away splashed with sunlight. But the donkey, tied to a tree as usual, 
waited. Then he let himself be led away. Then he let the stranger mount. Never had he seen such crowds. And I wonder if he had all imagined what was to happen. Still, he was what he had always been, small, dark, obedient. I hope finally he felt brave. I hope finally he loved the man who rode so lightly upon him as he lifted one dusty hoof and stepped, as he had to, forward. Palm Sunday is an old story, not just because it happened once a long time ago, but because it's happening over and over and over again every day. Every day God calls us into the world with things that seem like hardly enough. Our hearts, our minds, our abilities, our voices, our unique bodies and situations and experiences, the things we've learned along the way and our desire to build communities of health and hope, our yearning for things that truly matter that will last, generosity and healing and joy. We want these things so much that we're always tempted to use anything we can to make them happen. Money, influence, greed. We lie to get our way and convince ourselves that it was in the service of a good cause. We snap at the people we love because we are trying so hard to do a good job at work and we used up all our energy on it. We dismiss the people whose ideas conflict with ours because it's just too exhausting to listen to them. We tell ourselves that someone else, surely someone else will speak up, join the cause, push for the change, hold the powerful accountable, make the phone calls, write the postcards, because we're just one person. What are we supposed to do? All we have is a donkey and some branches and a few cloaks. All we have is five loaves and two fish. All we have is a couple minutes a day, a little bit of money, a gnawing sense that God is telling us to do something. It's not a lot. Does it make you feel good today that your pastor is basically telling you, just be more of a donkey? Small dark, obedient, a little bit brave, not powerful or attention-grabbing, and maybe a little strange out here in the suburbs. But you never needed to be anything more than who you already are. That will be enough. Because this is a day for the donkeys, <clears throat> the small, the quiet, the branches, and the burrows. Let us step as we have to, forward. Amen.